Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? My name is Quincy. And this is my show, the Talk to Q Radio Show. It's almost like posting a blog, except I'm doing it live. simply because it's like some type of special eclipse edition or anything like that. It's just that uh, I have something to do tomorrow. Yep, so we're going to do the show tonight. So um, remember to go to talktoq.com, sign up for the email newsletter, and you can keep up with when the show goes on the air for special events just like this one. Also, don't forget um, that you can catch me on iTunes. Look for the Talk to Q Radio show on iTunes. Subscribe, please. Leave a review so that way you can also make sure you catch every show. All right. Well, before we kick things off, let me explain to you how this show works for those who may be new to it. This show is a platform for you. The callers, the chat room participants, the social networkers, all of you have the opportunity to voice, chat, or tweet your opinions to me and be heard worldwide and completely uncensored, because here on T2Q, there are no experts, just opinions. Unlike most shows where you simply just listen to the host talk on and on, I allow you the opportunity to speak your mind. You can join my show legends each episode and discuss a wide range of things like relationships, current events, sports, politics, and more. This show is very informal by design because, let's face it, my style is very unorthodox in nature. The topics are random, but they're relevant with what's going on in the world today. The call-in number to step on your soapbox is 347-202-0215. That's 347-202-0215. If you decide to call in and you get the urge to voice your opinion, then after you connect, Simply hit one on your dial pad. That lets me know that you're ready to speak, and it places you in the host queue. And please mute your phone if you're not speaking at the time, because background noise picks up easily over cell phones and headsets. 
Now, another way you can contribute to the show is to follow me on Twitter at TalkToQ. There is a live tweet chat that occurs during the show, and you can respond to some of the same questions that I'm asking over the air in most cases. Please search and use hashtag T2Q to read and respond to all show tweets. If you want to learn more about me, the show, or the show legends, then journey on over to TalkToQ.com. And if you can't listen to the entire show live, then you can find T2Q on iTunes and just pick up where you left off. Maintenance complete. T2Q radio show number 721 out of 750 starts right after a word from one of my supporters. Listen to The Crystal Show for celebrity gossip, amazing interviews, musical guests, and the most fun to be had on internet radio. Check out the past and new podcasts at thecrystalshow.com. I go on and on, can't understand how I last so long. I must have the superpowers, last 223,000 hours. My thanks to The Crystal Show for being down by law with T2Q. 347-202-0215 is the number on the Talk to Q Radio Show. No experts, just opinions. Um, let's see what's going on today. We had the eclipse today. I'm sure a lot of people got an opportunity to check that out. It was all over the news. If you happen to miss it, I was able to uh, fortunately get a pair of glasses and be able to take a look. And um, it was the sun blocking, uh, the moon blocking the sun. Essentially So yeah it was kind of cool I guess But anyway uh, We'll get into that maybe a little bit Later in the show but let me go to the phone lines First To the 517 area code The Motor City of Detroit To welcome on the author I host this show legend Miss Crystal Hickerson Chris what's going on Thank you how are you I am outstanding how are you doing today Pretty good. Excellent, excellent. Did you get a chance to check out the eclipse? Absolutely, I did. Okay, what did you think about it? Was it cool, no big deal? What's your approach to the eclipse? It was cool. It's space, it's stars and celestial beings. So, of course, I loved it because I'm a total space geek. So, I loved it. Okay. I'm sure you and... Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson probably shared a moment. We and totally did. Yeah. <laughs> let me go to the 850 area code in the Emerald Coastline of Pensacola, Florida, to welcome on the man in black making his way to the ring, the homie Buck. Buck, what's going on? What up, what up? How's everybody doing this evening? How you doing, Crystal? Hey, Buck. Doing well, man, and you get to check out the eclipse? Yeah, I did. Um, pretty cool. Uh, been a, yeah, I like space things and, you know, being able to see an eclipse, you know, something like this. It, it, I didn't think we were going to get to see it because we were having some nasty weather coming through at the same time, but we were able to see it. And, uh, it's, you know, one of those things, you know, you, you know, when an event like that happens, you want to check it out. So, pretty cool. Okay, okay. Hopefully, um, Unlike our president, you use glasses to look up in the air. Uh, <laughs> he was looking without glasses. But uh, man, does it does does anything surprise you how dumb 
how dumb and idiotic this guy is. I mean, come on. I mean, seriously. Yeah. But uh, I got to check it out. The most interesting part of the whole experience for me was that um, I was downtown Jackson, and there's an area where they have, you know, a few trees. And you could hear locusts in the trees. They were just chirping and buzzing for most of the morning. And they were actually really loud, loud to the point to where, you know, it was noticeable. But when the eclipse was going on, they were silent. So I thought that was kind of cool. cool. I don't know if they thought it was getting dark and they just quit or, or what. But they got quiet for about two or three minutes. And then after a while, they were back at it again. So it's funny to see how nature is kind of in tune with space. But uh, I thought that was kind of cool. Absolutely, they are. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm, I was expecting a little more. I mean, maybe a Jumanji moment with, like, animals running down the street or I thought I'd get to kill a vampire or something. I mean, I was kind of disappointed with that aspect of it. But uh, aside from all that, I mean, it was still pretty cool just to uh, see the whole experience. And it happened so quickly that if you, you know, weren't in the right place at the right time, you just missed out. So, but hopefully we won't hear about anyone three, four days from now seeing spots because they looked at it without their glasses and harmed themselves or something of that nature. But uh, it will be, what is it, 2024 before anything similar occurs again? Yeah. Is that what they're saying? Yeah, 2024, um, not necessarily in America, but yes. Okay. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and move on with the show. And, uh, you know, this is the time where we like to get crystallized. It's time to get crystallized. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, I'm Crystal Hickerson, and this is your Decrystallized What's Trending report. We're going to start off with Jay-Z. Jay-Z opened up about his beef with him and Kanye. Jay-Z uh-huh. speaks out about why him and Kanye, his longtime friend, are still on the outs. During an interview with rap. Radar podcast hosted by Elliot Wilson and Brian B. Miller talked about his song Kill Jay Z, which is on his you know, <laughs> 444 um, album, which is amazing, by the way, if you haven't checked it out. Um, it seems this particular song seems to be about his current relationship with um, Kanye West. He referenced West Rant at a concert in California last year in 2016 in which he, which Kanye slammed Jay-Z, his wife, Beyonce, and commented that their kids never played together. Now, we have to remember that the outburst came shortly before West was hospitalized and canceled the rest of his St. Pablo tour. Here's what Jay-Z had to say about their current relationship. It's not even about Kanye. 
It really isn't. It's just his, his name is there. The whole point is you got hurt because this guy was talking about you on a stage. But what really hurt me, my, you can't bring my kids and my, my wife into it. We've gotten past bigger issues, but we brought my family into it. Now that's a problem with me. But you know that he crossed the line. I know he knows because we've never let this much space go between one of our uh, disagreements, and we've had many. Jay-Z and Kanye began working together in the early 2000s, but Kanye... What was that? I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay. Uh, Jay-Z and Kanye began working together in the early 2000s when Kanye came on board to Rockefeller's um, web um, site or an actual production company as just a, as a producer, which, you know, producer sounds really cool to a lot of people, but actually producer is a very low on the totem pole kind of position. It's kind of a basic position. Kanye had always wanted to rap, but he was kept on the sidelines as just another producer at Jay-Z's company for many years. The company didn't share Kanye's belief that he was a real rapper. But in 2003, Kanye stepped up his game and paid for his own single through the wire. It has been rumored that it was really Damon Dash and not Jay-Z who saw the true potential in Kanye as a solo artist and a rapper and not just a producer. Later, Jay-Z, of course, denied this, but it seemed clear that Jay-Z saw Kanye as a work friend and not really as a personal friend, whereas Kanye thought of him as a big brother. Maybe Kanye truly looked up to Jay-Z and wanted to be closer. This came to head in the late October of 2016 at the St. Pablo Tour show in Seattle. Kanye said his daughter, Northwest, had never even played with Jay and Beyonce's daughter, Blue Ivy. Jay also claimed that he and Kim didn't get more than a phone call from the Carters after he was robbed, after she, Kim, was robbed in Paris. Days later, close friends noted that Jay-Z remarked after, Kate, after Kanye's blow-up in which he said, I missed the old Kanye. I'm not sure exactly what that meant, but maybe he just missed Kanye being a regular old producer guy and not someone who saw him as a big brother. Kind of sad, actually. It, I, I don't know. This just... Uh, I, I mean, I hate to see grown men just act like children. Uh, I mean, your feelings are hurt know. because I mean, this I, guy's I mean, not treating think, you a certain way. I don't know. It's like children, really. I think it's just so. I think you're misunderstanding when people misunderstand relationships. I mean, this can happen in adult relationships, just like um, child relationships. I think it can happen in friendships, just like you know, um, romantic relationships. I don't know. I guess because this is being romanticized in the media, it just seems. Oh, it just seems so reality show-esque and petty and, and, and you know uh. what, it's not, I don't, I, you know, I, I tend to, to be on the side of the media a lot, you know, but 
I, I really don't think that this really has anything to do with the media as it has to do with Kanye. Kanye, has, he put it out there. Hell, he's the one who got on stage and talked about it. So, you know, the media is just reporting what he exactly said. I really think this is Kanye, who is eh, probably about, what, eight to ten years younger than um, Jay-Z, who saw him as a mentor who saw him as, you know, even as a big brother, who saw him as someone he looked up to. And this guy, he wanted to be a part of his life. And Jay-Z was like, you know, I like the kid, but, you know, I don't want him to be my friend. I like him. He's a good guy, and you know, and all this. But I don't think he was as close to Kanye as Kanye wanted him to be. So I mean, it's... How do you how do you look at it, Buck? I mean, to me, it's like it's like me going to Crystal, and you know, Crystal didn't invite me to her birthday party, and I've known her for four years, and we've called each other's show, but I expected her to let me come over so my kids can play with her kids. I mean, my goodness, this just sounds so ah. Feminine. It, it I mean, sounds. I it, it sounds weak and it sounds weak and pathetic because I mean, grow a set of balls. I mean, shit. Does it really matter whether his kid play with the other person's kid or, it, or whether you're invited to a damn party? Really? I mean, golly, you Jay Z, homie. I mean, does it, it, it is it that big a deal to you? I mean, oh, it, well, it, I mean actually, it's Kanye, not Jay Z. I mean, I mean, Kanye. I mean, well, I'm not surprised. Kanye West, he ain't got no balls. But anyway, you know, the bottom line of it is, is that I mean, I mean, that's he. That's this is a prime example of what's wrong with this damn country. I mean, there was a time when nobody got offended by shit. Now everybody's offended by everything that we do. You breathe the wrong way, and the, the next person, the person that's next to you, is offended. Come on, give me a break. I mean, I, I, I mean, look at it like all, this. All right. First of all, props to Jay Z for for showing who the the alpha male is, because Jay Z. I mean, because think about it. Kanye is married to one of the most famous, like her, her not, like her or not, she's just as famous as Beyonce. Okay. And Kanye has a really good rap career, and he's made a lot of money. I don't know if he has any left, but he's made a lot of money. Why are you? I mean, despite all of that, you still see who the man is. It's like you still cowering behind Jay Z, uh, Mr. Jay Z, sir. Can I can I be a part of your posse? Can I be down? I mean, props to Jay Z. That's just an alpha male to, to make Cal, to make Kanye bow down like that. Oh wow. Okay. Well. Okay. First of all. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, we all know that I'm totally into the alpha males. But I really see this not really on that level. I see it as I think that Kanye thought he was a friend, a true friend of of um of Jay Z and I thought and I think that he really he just misread the situation. And I, you know, he's a very emotional guy as we all know. And I think the only difference between nowadays, now, and before, as you were talking about earlier, is the fact that 
before, there was no one to talk to. There was no one to express these feelings to. And it wasn't accepted to be able to express the feelings, whether you're male or female or whatever. So you kept it inside. Men wasn't, weren't supposed to cry. They weren't supposed to show any emotion. They weren't supposed to do, you know, any of that. And we clearly know that men have emotions. They have these feelings. And then now there is an outlet. And, of course, Kanye outlet, his outlet is getting on a platform when he's at a concert and talking about whatever the hell he wants to talk about um, for our celebrity president. His outlet is Twitter. So people have their outlets, so there it is. I don't know. Nah, it's just, it's a little much. You know, I've known Sean since he was, you know, didn't even know how to spell his last name. And it's like, (laughs) bitch, I can't believe you you had a kid 17 years ago. You didn't wait for me to have one so our kids could play together. I mean, come on. Come on. (laughs) Okay, like, at some point, be <laughs> no, right? a man. Be a man right. at some point. I mean, yeah, you may get mad because he invited Carmelo Anthony to his birthday party and you didn't get to go. I mean, okay. He's not, you're not as cool as you thought you were. You thought you were a personal friend. Now you're finding out you're just a work friend. You know, but right. my goodness, don't publicize that mess. Come on, you know, man. But he did. It's Kanye. He did. He's like, fuck it. Uh, I'm going to say it. All right. Bro, oh, well, um, in worst news, okay, moving on. In worst news, um, Dick Gregory um, died at age 84, um, and it was Saturday. Comedian and civil rights activist Dick Gregory, who broke barriers in the 1960s and became one of the first African-Americans to perform at white clubs died Saturday. He was 84 years old. Let's go to ABC News for the report. Dick Gregory was a trailblazer, one of the first black comedians to bring racially charged comedy to white audiences in the early 1960s. I hate to see any baseball player having trouble. That's a great sport for my people. That is the only sport in the world where a Negro can shake a stick at a white man and won't start no ride. His first big break was an appearance on The Tonight Show in 1962. Gregory had only agreed to go on the show if he could sit down with host Jack Parr after his routine. Before then, African Americans appearing on the show would have to leave the set after performing. When they say this show features living color, you better believe it. One of the first black comedians with crossover appeal to white audiences, Gregory would become an outspoken activist for civil rights. You can always laugh at problems that's right. Everyone in the whole world knows this is a wrong. So then you can make humor out of it and matter like you enlightening people. He marched in Selma, Alabama in 1965, protested the Vietnam War, often staging hunger strikes. Later in his career, he went on to perform in TV specials, never losing his hallmark edge. I came back in from Europe last month, CNN. Uh, Mr. Gregory, you think uh, we'll ever catch Ben Loudon? I say, we? (laughs) I ain't looking for him. (laughs) I'm still trying to find out who my daddy is. This morning, reaction to Gregory's death. Whoopi Goldberg calling him a fall-on-your-face laughing comedian. 
And singer John Legend, who produced a play about him, sang Dick Gregory lived an amazing, revolutionary life. Gregory recently rescheduled an event in Atlanta because he was hospitalized. He died in Washington, D.C. His son, Christian Gregory, spoke to the social media without giving that many details. He says in a statement, <coughs> the family appreciates the outpouring of support and love and respectfully asks for their privacy as they are grieving during this very difficult time. More details will be released over the next few days. Now, Gregory was satirized. He satirized um, segregation and racial injustice in his acts and was arrested several times in the 1960s for joining civil rights rallies. I was very saddened to hear about him dying, but, yeah, he – actually, I thought he was older than he was. I couldn't believe he was just 84. I thought he was, you know, almost closer to his 90s. Very sad. I, I mean, that's a, another era that has, has gone. Yeah, and I, I heard a lot of people say that they thought he was um, – older than what he was but uh, man let me tell you this this is just like you said crystal where this is just another piece of history that's gone you know i mean they don't make guys like this anymore you know some of the the men and women we've been losing over the last 10 years they don't make them like that anymore you know i mean look we got kanye (laughs) you know what i'm saying so it's like this guy, and I feel I'm upset with myself because he came to Memphis twice this year. He went to Memphis mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. around for Martin Luther King's birthday, and he was in Memphis um, back in April. And I really thought about going to the one in April to see, just to say I saw Dick Gregory. But, you know, I didn't go. I ended up going and seeing Earthquake like two weeks later. But, um, and now I'm going to regret it because this is an opportunity that I missed to see someone who represents not only black entertainment history, but just black history, period. And, and, and Buck, I'll let you speak on it, man. But it just, it's, I, I, he was 84. I'm sure he lived a good life. But I just hate to see another icon go knowing that we don't have too many left. Yeah, it's, it's it's a big loss. Um, I mean, and this is why it's very, very important to kind of, you know, keep, you know, when you have a chance to sit down with elders and people that, that actually lived it or have a chance to see somebody that's famous, that you get a chance to, um, you know, get a chance to see, do it. Because you just don't know when, you know, or if you'll get that uh, another opportunity to do it. I mean, you got to look at, I mean, not only we lost, you know, Dick Gregory here recently, but we also lost B.B. King, and that's somebody that you, you would want to see. Chuck Berry, you know, we've lost some great icons over the course, uh, um, you know, late last year, early this year. So um, Al Jarreau is another one. So these are people that, you know, kind of help shape the black community. And Dick Gregory, I mean, he really went out there and, and did a lot for, for the black community. And, you know, he talked, you know, he didn't just talk about it, he lived it. 
and talk about it in the shows. And it's it's a it's really really sad to see another one of our great icons and great leaders um, to pass. So I mean, you know, we've said this several times. I know I've said it several times on the show. It's time for us to pick up the baton and stop letting that sun just burn the grass. Because I mean, we need to. You know, sometimes you got to lead by example, and these guys led great examples. And Dick Gregory was one of the one of the true leaders, you know, to pass. So you know, you know, we need people to step up, and instead of instead of getting in scandals, um, you know, we need to, you know, start picking up the baton and and leading by example and doing the right things instead of all the garbage. No doubt. And Crystal, I mean, you know, we, we see these people who, you know, go on and and go on up to the upper room, so to speak, and they're labeled as actors slash civil rights activists, entertainers slash civil rights activists. I just don't see too many forty and unders with that slash civil rights activists being um, added to their resume. Well, we do have a few, uh, and of course they are growing and moving out of their realm. You know, someone as we spoke about earlier, Jay Z. I think he's going to be one who has a lot more to show about what he wants to give to the world in a more business standpoint. Um, hell, even Colin Kaepernick could be one who can speak of it. Jesse Williams. I mean. There are others, but there's, yeah, they are small and they're far, you know, few in between um, who have been able to, you know, make a kind of an impact. Um, I think Chance the Rapper is definitely as in, in road. I Actually, when I look at him, I see him as a politician and I see him someone who's going to move from music into uh, politics, and I think he's he's ripe to do that, you know, as he continues to grow, um, because he has he has definitely led us into, into into more of an awareness. And when it comes to entertainment and sports, you know, people you know talk about well, blacks are the only ones. You know, the only thing they can do is do sports, and maybe they think about other things. There are plenty of other black Americans who do um, go into other fields and it may not be as sexy as sports and and um, acting, and that's what you hear about. Uh, but I think that the fact that those are the talents that we were able to use at a much earlier rate, um, like in the 40s and 50s and 60s and on, um, we were able to use those talents. So, I mean, I, I'm proud that we were, and we were we started two music, you know, things. We started jazz, and then we started, you know, hip hop. So, to me, that's that's an amazing feat. So, you know, I'm proud of those things. Okay. Um, the last the last thing I wanted to talk about, of course, was today. And when you talked about it earlier, Q was the solar eclipse. Um, for those who don't understand what the solar eclipse really is <laughs> or what happened today, because I'm sure some of our listeners may not, uh, first of all, what the solar eclipse is is that the moon has swept across the actual, the, um, the outline of the sun. 
So that's really what that was all about. Um, it hadn't happened. And what happened today and why it was so um, spectacular and people kind of gathered for it is because of the totality. Totality meaning that in America we were able to see it, um, the actual moon going across in complete totality. And that hasn't happened since 1918. And, yes, it will happen again in, I think, what did they say, 2024, 25? And I I don't think it it won't be here in America. So that was one of the the reasons why it was so spectacular. We had 14 states that the path of totality went across from Oregon to South Carolina. And it's definitely a, a rare event. Solar eclipses only occur when the moon passes um, between the earth and the sun and it covers the entire face. And just for people to know just in actuality what actually happened, the cities that were affected by the solar eclipse today was um, in um, Corvallis, Albany, and Lebanon of Oregon. So in the state of Oregon, it kind of kind of began. Idaho Falls in Idaho, Casper, Wyoming, Grand Island in Nebraska, St. Joseph in Missouri, so it keeps going down, Kansas City, Kansas, St. Louis, Missouri, Bowling Green, Kentucky, which was one of the major ones, which a lot of people kind of flocked to this area to really see it because it's kind of like a central location for a lot of people in in America. Um, Nashville, Tennessee, and Greenville, South Carolina. So it kind of went kind of down spiral from Oregon down um, eastward, uh, down to South Carolina and out. So it was a big deal. Now, for me in Michigan, and I, of course, I'm in Detroit, Michigan, um, we only saw like a third of it, but we were out there. We were looking at it, and people were really excited about it. Um, and I did watch it also on CNN to see the just the actual one, and they were, you know, getting it from Kentucky and different areas like that. But you know, it was really exciting, um, and I and I think that because it was somewhere, I think the last time there was a major um, um, totality event, it wasn't anywhere near where normal people from America could get to. It was in a completely another country, and I, I, I want to say, I think it was even past South South America. It was further down. So we couldn't naturally get to it. So that's why it was a big deal. So a lot of people say, why is it a big deal? So what? So many other things are going on in the world. Why are we paying attention to this? It's so stupid. And, and of course, the conspiracy theorists came out talking about all these things that were actually happening while, while um, the eclipse was going on. I don't care how powerful or demonic you think Trump is. He is not controlling the celestial bodies of the moon and the sun. Okay? <laughs> he made the it moon cross the front of the sun as a distraction. Right. You're right. So he could go into Afghanistan or he could, you know, bomb North Korea. No, this was not happening. Like, you know? And I'm pretty much a conspiracy theorist. You know, I can talk all day with the best of them, the conspiracy theorists and all kinds of shit. But this wasn't one of them, okay? Um, so just enjoy it as it was. So, um, first of all, 
I'm glad you guys watched. I'm glad you guys, you know, got a chance to take a look at it. And it's not just about the fact of everything is not political. Everything is not about, you know, some grandiose thing or conspiracy theory or whatever. It's really about you being a part of something that happened to all of us. See, today, I, I really got off on today because today was the day when all of America looked up at the same time and watched this amazing thing happen. And it was so funny. I was I was uh, listening to the radio this morning, and then, and then I'll be done. But I was listening to the radio this morning, and someone said, oh, it's going to start at 10 o'clock. It's going to end around 3 o'clock, so it's going to happen all day. I was like, excuse me, it happens at the same time. <laughs> but, it's, wow. but in California, it's 10 o'clock. In Michigan, it's, it's 2 o'clock, you know, and on and on. So it's like it's happening at the same time. Okay. So, you know, let's, let's take a look at our, our science and, let's, you know, let's look again at our time structures and, and all that. But anyway. Um, it was just a, a way for us all to be standing outside. And I, I stood outside with people I didn't even know today in front of my office. I never spoke to before. But we were all like, hey, can I borrow your glasses? Hey, let me look in this. Or They were all like, right. isn't this amazing, all together yep. as one black, white, and granted, in in my field or in my building, definitely, I'm like, I can count on my hand how many black people are in my, you know, in my purview. And today I was like the only one out there. But, you know, no one cared. It was just like, hey, you know, this is an amazing event. So it kind of brought us together, and there's nothing wrong with celebrating that. So I just wanted to say that. But And no, and no one complained about the moon obstructing the sun and wanting to have the moon removed like a Confederate statue. Well, the I moon know, right? was black. So it was a black thing happening. It was going across the white devil <laughs> of the sun. Oh my god! Technicality. We kind of overcome a lot today. The black thing. Okay. <laughs> anyway, this has been Get Crystallized. Um, What's trending? Report on the Talk to You Radio Show. Check out more of What's Trending every day, and there's a lot more that actually went on today. Um, Kylie. Kylie Jenner, people, shit went on with her. So check it out um, on getcrystallized.net and subscribe to the newsletter. Back to you. Thank you for that, Crystal. Um, Again, just my favorite part of the week. Getting crystallized. All yeah. right. Um, we'll go ahead and jump into the main topic. You know, at what point do you label someone a traitor to their own race? You know, over the past few years, the words sellout and coon has been thrown away, thrown around like candy in social media. Everywhere you look, someone is criticizing someone else and hitting them below the belt with one of these terms. Now, Sometimes the term fits people like a glove, but other times it's used as aimlessly as the word hater. And I personally think that the term is the terms are overused and don't apply to half of the people or the situations. However, I understand what compels someone to use the term now and then. So it's like 
you know, what are some examples of being considered a sellout? And there are many examples you can get into this, but uh, I guess where I want to start, and Crystal, I'll start with you. Um, in your opinion, what makes a person a sellout to his or her race? Well, from what I've heard, um, and I don't really agree with, but whatever, what I've heard is mainly um, a sellout is someone who they have taken advantage of a situation, monetarily, socially, whatever, from the majority, which is uh, the European, white, Anglo-Saxon culture, and by way of denigrating their own culture, culture, which is a black culture. In other words, they have benefited or gained something from denigrating their own culture or assimilating into, you know, the white culture. So that's kind of the sellout. Like I, I choose to do what they say or assimilate into their culture in order to better myself. Yeah, that's basically it. All right, Buck, what do you think um, makes a person a sellout? Yeah, I pretty much co-sign with what Crystal said. I mean, there's probably others. Um, Some people call uh, people sellouts due to them maybe, you know, getting higher in position thinking that they may have done more you know, to get the position versus, you know, going about it the, you know, going about it the normal way. Um, they think they took shortcuts or brown nose or what have you. So sometimes they get called sellouts. So, you know, that's what happens. And, um, you know, it's just you know, pretty much like that, you know. Okay. I mean, um, I, I think that to some people, man, it can be something simple, like the way you dress and how you do your hair. To others, it can be a little more deep. Um, but I, I guess, I mean, let's talk about appearance. Crystal, can your appearance make you, make people consider you a sellout to your race? I mean, when you think back to Carlton Banks on Fresh Prince and how he dressed, or maybe you know the way a woman does her hair. I mean, can something like that make you people look at you as a sellout? Oh, sure, absolutely. I mean, of course, when you bring up someone like Carlton, someone who, um, you know, dressed a little quote unquote nerdy, which or you know, intellectual or whatever, someone who was more conservative. So that was equated to being white. And it can go with the way you talk. Um, it can also go, of course, go with the way you look as far as your hair. You know, women have, black women have been, you know, attacked, um, and especially back in the 80s when um, the weave first came out. And for some reason, the weave was attacked more so than wigs because grandma was wearing wigs for a long time (laughs) that were uh, permed, styled. 
But that was okay. That was all right. that was all right. Maybe because it was just something you put on top of your head as opposed to something that you actually sewed into your hair and from your scalp to make it look more, you know, natural that it was coming out of your scalp. So maybe that politically ideology, I don't know about that for the weave just sent people into, you know, kind of a spastic kind of a thing, so you became a sellout that way. So, yeah, um, how you look, and then, of course, from the weave went into um, contacts, eye contacts, you know, going yeah. from blue, brown, light brown, or whatever. In, the, in other words, any color besides dark brown. But what a lot of people didn't realize or they failed to forget or whatever is that a lot of black people actually did have naturally light brown eyes or green eyes or blue eyes. It had absolutely nothing to do with their being connected to being white. It's called the recessive genes. You know, somebody needs to go back to biology and take a, you know, listen, <laughs> read a book. But, um, but since most um, white cultures have that recessive gene of blue eyes, etc., they equated that to being, oh, you're trying to be white when actually that's just their natural color. So, I don't know. Yeah, they can call it a sellout. I don't agree, but yeah. Okay. Buck, what do you think, man? Is it fair to um, judge someone or label someone as a sellout based on how they dress? But <laughs> sorry, um, he killed I, me I, I there, man. That, I know, right? I'm steady going and didn't even know I was on mute. Anyway, um, you know, it's 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 unfair to you know say that you're sell out just by you know by what you wear. Everybody got their own style, and they can wear whatever they want to. Um, but. I know when we were coming up, I mean, if you dressed a certain way, I mean, they they did kind of look at you as a sellout because, but I really think that it was more so jealous, jealousy because they just didn't have what, you know, they didn't have, you know, the means or what have you to dress a certain way. Um, and, you know, since, you know, they were calling you a sellout just to be, you know, just to be nasty because they know that would piss you off or whatnot. So, you know, sometimes, you know, people ain't got nothing else better to do. That's what they do, just so they can get under your skin, so to speak. Yeah, I think um, people are going to hate, and they will call you a sellout for being different. Um, if you don't look like everyone else, then, you know, you're essentially just doing it for the other race, so to speak. But it's a shame. It's a shame, but... All right, Crystal, so this is what I have um, to ask, and a lot of people may have a huge problem with this. Why does it appear that if you are a black person, if you're not, like, heavily pro-black, then that makes you some sort of a sellout? Do you think you have to be pro-black in order to not be a sellout? When I mean pro-black, like, you know, you're down for the Black Lives Matter, you're down for all the movements, almost you know, regardless if you think it's right or wrong, you, you have to default on that side. 
Right. Yeah, you do. You have to. Otherwise, you know, you're a coon, <laughs> um, <laughs> your Uncle Tom, you know, whatever. You know, so... And you have to agree with it in in whole. You can't you can't deviate from anything. You can't. There can be no but. You can't be like, well, I kind of agree with the black matters, but I think they're full of shit, or I think they're completely unorganized, or I think they should really go back to the drawing board and start thinking a little bit, or whatever. You cannot go beyond that. Um, otherwise, you yeah, you will be deemed a coon. So you have to be completely in line with whatever the black people say. So I mean, it, it, even you know, even with our term of saying African American and all that kind of stuff, you know, we have to be in line with that. Um, and it, it, it's but all of it is really hypocritical. You know, I mean, it really is because if you if you were actually saying, let's go back to Marcus Garvey, if you were actually saying that you want to be all down, black, African, whatever, then you should be actually on the Marcus Garvey Garvey ideology of getting out of America completely. And actually, that line of thinking goes along with the white supremacist thinking, including Abraham Lincoln, who said that, you know, once, you know, the blacks were freed from slavery, they should leave America. That was the whole, that was actually his line of thinking. So, and, and, and it went in tune with Marcus Garvey because that was his line of thinking. He's like, yeah, you're right. We should get the fuck out of here. Because we don't belong here. And but if you say, well, no, I don't, I don't want to do that because I, I, you know, I want to live in America. I don't have to live. I don't have to leave. I must go anywhere. But then, see, it's contradictory in some of the thinking because the thinking is so structured and so, um, you know, you have to be. Everything has to be totally black. You know, it's like oh, so exhausting. And I, I'll say this. Let me tell you, and I will say that there are some days, especially after certain things that have happened on the news or whatever, after a while, I have to, I'd be like, you know what, I can't do it anymore. I can't watch the news. I can't be around anything black for at least a few weeks. I need to come down off of this shit. I need to watch Seinfeld, um, <laughs> Tom Hanks, whatever. I need to just, you know, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, I, it's just too much. It is, it's just fucking too much. And and you know, people can call me what they want. They can call me a sellout. They can call me whatever the hell they want. I don't care. <laughs> Buck, what do you think, man? Um, how do you feel about the fact that if you're not all the way black, then you're some sort of sellout? I think that's garbage. I mean. You're born black. You don't stay black. You ain't gonna change. I mean, you you can you can make your skin lighter. You're still black. Okay. So, I mean, and there are things you know. You know, we you understand the struggle because you live it every single day. Okay. Um, yes, you know, there's people that you know make 
make millions, billions of dollars that are black, and they, I mean, there's still issues that they're gonna have to address. The other people, other other races, just don't have to deal with. So, um, it don't matter what you do. I mean, there's gonna be instances where the world's gonna re- let you know what's up. You know, regardless of how much money you got, how nice you are, who your friends are, what have you. You're going to always know you're going to be black. So, um, you know, I don't think that you're a sellout by doing doing certain things because I guarantee you, you will, you will know you're black in some, <laughs> some shape or form. Um, okay. All right, three four seven two zero two zero two one five is the number on T two Q. And um, all right, so let's talk about when money's involved. And Crystal, we've had discussions on this show about uh, Jay Z and Michael Jordan, and you know what they should be doing with their money. But um, if you choose not to attempt to right a wrong or be a voice, be a voice for something that's good, I guess, so to speak, or that's right, because you don't want to affect your income, does that make you a sellout? No. I think it makes you smart. (laughs) Or at least it makes you um, in tune with what you want to do. First of all, I like this. I make my money how I make my money. However it happened is in the bank, it's mine. It has my name on it. I can choose to do whatever the fuck I want to do with that money. Now, let's say that instead of choosing to do a foundation or give to something that is specifically black, and I decide to give to something that is universal, um, or pertains to all children or whatever, then does that mean that I am not black? Or, well, these people could have used it better in the inner cities, and I don't know why she gave it to this organization that's about everybody, you know, or whatever. It's the same, it, you know, I can I can atone it to the same thing with regarding um, Oprah. Now, when Oprah built that school in Africa, I was a little salty. Okay. I was. I was a little salty. Um, And I was like, what the fuck? You know, there are students right here in Chicago who could use a school for them them that are, you know, American black as opposed to African. And I got a little salty about that because, that's a personal thing for me. I have severed my ties with Africa. And that's, and that's a whole other show. But um, sure. I got a little salty with that. But then again, I had to think, you know what? But that's that's Oprah. That's what she wanted to do with her money, you know. So she did it. So she has the right to do that. Um, and, I think, and I think that's great that she did something for the people of Earth. And those are the people she chose. So you can't do something for everybody. So I don't think there's anything wrong with um, choosing, or if you, even if you choose not to do anything at all, 
even if you don't choose to do shit with your money except for give it to your kids, you know, you can do that because you're building a generational wealth for your own family as opposed to the entire fucking world. We can't help the whole world. We can't help the whole black American, you know, strife in America. We can't do that. We can only do what we can do. So, no, I don't I don't think I don't think that's anything wrong with choosing that at all. But a lot of people do. A lot of people do get offended, just like I got offended. But I don't take it any further than that because I on the other hand I go, Well, that's her money, so whatever. It's her. Okay. All right, but well you got to follow that. Uh you know. When you're rich and have the ability to do more, does it make you a sellout if you decide not to? No, it doesn't. You have a you have a right to spend your money however you however you deem necessary. It's not you know, it's not your duty to try to save the world. Okay, it's your duty to you know take care of your family. Um, by you know, and that's what that's what it's all about. I mean, everybody makes choices in life. I mean, you can choose to stand your ass on that corner and hold up a sign saying that you you work for you know that you you homeless and all that kind of shit and you need food and all, whatever you should hold that sign for, or you can get your happy ass down to the damn job place and apply for a job or you know knock on the door or get on the internet or whatever you need to do to get a job uh, and provide for your family. You make those choices, so. You know, once you get up there and you're making, you know, you're making, you know, you're making money and hanging out with high society or whatever, it's not your, it's not your duty to go out there and try to save the rest of the world. Your family comes first, you know, and then, you know, if, you know, the spirit moves you and you decide that you want to go out and help others, then that's, you know, you can do it at that time. But it's not, it's not up to you to do that. All right, so, you know, playing devil's advocate here. I mean, do you think more people have that attitude now than, you know, 50 years ago? And what if people like Dick Gregory would have decided, you know what, I'm not going to ruin my career or my well-being just to try to help my fellow man get a piece of the pie as well? Well, I mean, I, I guess, you know, back in those days, there was a more of a closeness um, because we were all, we were, there were more of us in the, well, it's not like there were more of us now. I mean, I guess we were more together as a race then, I guess, to a certain extent. Um, so you saw a lot more people trying to help out and help the fellow man to try to be better. Now, with there's so many opportunities, I think that, and plus, I think, you know, times have changed, you know, how things, how we are brought up, and how we're raised, and you know, single parent houses, and all that kind of, you know, how households and those kind of things. I think those things have changed. So, with there's so many things out there that people can take advantage of. I think that's the reason why you don't see a lot of the, you know, activism, those activism and things of that nature now, um, you know, to try to help the fellow man. Because everybody, I guess, everybody thinks that there's a lot of opportunity out there for us to be better and, you know, be better. And, you know, you got to choose to be better. 
and a lot of people are not making that choice. And Crystal, what do you think? Um, as far as if if maybe more people back in the '60s would have had the same mindset that you know maybe it's not worth risking my income, my career, just to have a few people get ahead. Well, you know, I have to um, agree with Buck. I, th- I think that back then we were more rooted in one goal, and the goal was very simple, is, okay, first we beat slavery, we did that, okay, now we need to, you know, beat the Jim Crow laws, and we did that, okay, now we need to start getting jobs and being able to fight for our rights that have been given to us, now we have to make sure that they actually are put in place. So those those kind of goals were universal as far as the black Americans were concerned. Now, now a lot of those things have been enforced. They're part of the structure of America, et cetera. So I think now us as black Americans have branched off into different types we are, um, some of us are actually not all black. And that's something that's not really addressed. Um, we're not all black anymore. Uh, a lot of us are actually European. We've been actually half European for a very long time, but now it's more open. That that's what we are. So there's a mixed race there that's not really being recognized, uh, and they've been kind of thrown into the black um, culture when maybe they yeah. shouldn't necessarily be there or to be thought of um, to have just the black agenda. You know, and also not only that, not just biologically, but also the fact that there are many blacks who have been privy to um, education and higher education and and making more money and having um, generational wealth. Um, So they don't have the same experience because blacks think the only experience that blacks must have are ghetto experiences. (laughs) We must all come from the ghetto. And we must all come from this poor, downtrodden way of thinking. So, therefore, you must feel exactly the same way as the people walking the streets feel. You know what I'm saying? So, but everybody doesn't think that way. Everybody doesn't come from the same place. So, if I don't come from the same place as you do, then why would I have the same goals as you do? Why do I have the same thinking as you do? And we're not all one group. And this has been said over and over again that we're not all one monolithic group. But what does that really mean? Even though we say that, we don't actually incorporate that in whatever struggles or marches or whatever that we may have. So we all think we should be feeling the same way. But those are your feelings. Or maybe those are those people's feelings over there, but it doesn't pertain to me. So I think until we get out of that monolithic thinking that we have, I mean, we complain about other people seeing us one way and that we all look alike and that we all must know each other. But that's actually what the struggle, quote-unquote, is. We all should know each other. 
we're all supposed to know each other. We're all supposed to think alike and, and feel alike and all of that kind of stuff, which is ridiculous. But um, until we can move forward into a more progressive way of thinking, we're always going to be like this fragmented. Interesting. All right, all right, good responses, good responses. And so let me ask this one last question. We'll wrap things up. And Buck, I'll go back to you on this one. Once you are labeled as a sellout or, you know, someone calls you a cone or Uncle Tom or something, can you come back from that? Can you ever get back to where, you know, the label's removed, so to speak, and get your black card back? <laughs> well, like I said earlier, um, you don't lose your black card, okay? <laughs> once, once you got a black card, you always going to have that black card. Um, so, you know, words are, you know, you can call them cool, Uncle Tom, I mean, shit you want to. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you will be reminded that you're black. Regardless of where you are, in, you know, where you are on the, the totem pole of life, you're going to find out. So, you know, for the ones that's out there calling people Uncle Tom's and all that kind of stuff, it's really just ignorant. Um, you know, it's hard, and it's, it's you know, you get we get it from both sides. We get it from our own side, unfortunately. You know, you work hard. You know, you get out of the ghetto, what have you, or what you know, whatever your situation may be. You work hard. You put yourself in a situation. Now, you know, you now you're a CEO of company. Now you're Uncle Uncle Tom because you're taking care of your family. You're raising the right. You're making sure your kids are growing up, going to college, playing sports, doing whatever they want to do, be lawyer, doctor, whatever. And you decide that you're going to take care of your family and not take care of the rest of the world. Now you're Uncle Tom. That's bullshit. <laughs> okay? So, you know, we need to get back to, what you know, working together as a race together. Um, and that, that somewhere along the line, we've lost that. And, um, you know, we don't, there's no guidance, you know. There's nobody out there that's, you know, picking up a picking up baton that Dr. Martin Luther King, so, you know, that, you know, gave his life to carry. You know, it's like nobody cares. And, you know, everybody, you know, with all the, social media and all the things that are here for us to use for our benefit, we're using it for the wrong reasons and not standing up for our, for our own. And, you know, it's like you open up a, open up a business in, in the black community, black people don't even come, you know. And we don't even support our own. And it, it, we have to, at some point, somewhere, that's got to change. And, um, and we even make fun of the ones that are, are standing up for what they believe in. So, I mean, it's a damn if you do, damn if you don't, catch 21, whatever you want to call, catch 22, whatever you want to call it. At some point, we have to stand for for us at some point. And I think we've seen enough instances of that. But we, when we do stand for what we believe in, we have to do it in a non-violent way. You know, we can't stand for one another and then go loot and tear up the whole fucking town. That don't make sense. You know, we have to utilize what you know, utilize our resources 
so we can, you know, become better. You know, and that's what it's going to take. All right, Crystal, what do you think? Once you're labeled as a sellout, can you ever um, get that back? Well, I think you should focus on less on trying to not be labeled as a sellout and just continuing with whatever you try for and believe in. And if they want to label you that way, then fine. If they see later that, oh, okay, we were wrong, it's not that or whatever, um, fine. But the, the bottom line, I don't think you should focus on that. In on that, I think you should focus on doing what it is you believe in, and hopefully they will follow suit and recognize who you truly are, and if they don't, well, then that's their problem. Okay. Very good. I um, I don't know. I think you can always get back to where you were, but it's it's just unfortunately, unfortunate how some people get labeled in the first place. Uh, and once you're labeled, then it's probably a little more difficult to return. But I mean, some people are able to do it, I guess. But I just wish that people wouldn't be so quick to throw words around as far as just because someone just like I heard someone yesterday say that Jim Brown was a sellout. Jim Brown, the former, you know, Cleveland Browns football player who once famously, you know, participated in the in the Ali Summit fifty years ago where all these black athletes came together. Um Kareem Abdul Jabbar, I think he was Lou Alcinder at the time. Bill Russell mm-hmm. and Muhammad Ali and all these guys came together uh, to try to get something done in re- regarding civil rights. And just the other day, yesterday, I heard someone label him as a sellout simply because he met with Donald Trump, I think, during the campaign era. Right. Time, right. you know? And I'm like, and maybe so because he meets with say. the guy. Right. Right. Because he meets with the guy, he's a sellout. I mean, was he supposed to walk up and just punch him in the face? You know, I mean, so it's, I mean, so you might want to ask 50 years of work trying to make black community better and one meeting with Donald Trump and he's been labeled as a sellout. So I, I don't like how people label folks um, and, and, and especially just without context, especially, which is what we tend to do. Social media allows us to make opinions without having facts. Lord knows how many memes I see and quotes I see on a daily basis that aren't real, that aren't based on anything. But if you post it, people will believe it. So it's sad. And um, I just think we have to be careful with how we label people. And just because someone dresses a certain way, does their hair a certain way, chooses to maybe speak out or not speak out, or maybe want to have a more diplomatic approach as opposed to throwing rocks and and riding and things of that nature, then you have to respect another person's approach if you're trying to get the same resort, result. So, all right. So, get ready to wrap things up. Uh, there is no show tomorrow. And we have zone coverage on Wednesday. 
So for zone coverage, we'll talk about the Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather fight this weekend. We'll talk about the Terrence Crawford fight that happened this past weekend. A little NFL discussion, maybe some NCAA football. That'll be Wednesday at 9 p.m. So again, no show on Tuesday. Back on Wednesday, 9 p.m. with zone coverage. And we'll be back here on the Talk to Q Radio show next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Sign up for the email newsletter at talktoq.com, and that way you can keep up with whatever the show is coming out on the air. All right, final thoughts, and Buck, I'll go with you. Great show. Um, it's always good talking, you know, talking about, you know, the issues that are really affecting what we got going on in this country today. Um you know, it's time for us, you know, we shouldn't be talking about sellouts. What we should be talking about, talking about how we can be together as a, as a unit, as a, as a race, to improve our quality of life. Um, as a family? You know, we get, you know, we, you know, our quality of life is better than what it used to be, but in a lot of ways it's still the same because we choose not to make the change. Or if we do try to make change, we try to go about it the wrong way, you know, you know, losing Big Gregory, you know, he was a guy that went out there and did it the right way. And sometimes you got to be, you know, you got to follow an, an example. Um, you know, we can be hostile, you know, at times, but we know that's really not the way to really handle anything. You know, sometimes you got to use your brain and get out there and, and, and hit the matters that are important and do the, so in order to make change. And sometimes we, you know, we we have not done that in quite some time. So you know, as we're sitting here in our living rooms or wherever we may be, we need to start, you know, really thinking about what needs to be done to make change. But we need to do it in a sensible manner. Um, and you know, honor the ones that fought and died for us in the past by doing it a different way and actually getting results, so we can have a brighter future. But great show as always, and everybody enjoy their week. Thank you, sir. And Crystal, you shut it down for me, please. Okay, really good show. Um, you know, I, I when it comes to sellouts and those types of terminologies, um, I think it really speaks to when people feel threatened um, and sell out to et cetera, those kinds of names. And some of them are true. <laughs> you know, some of them are, are quite obvious, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about just regular situations and regular people. Anytime a, a black person decides that, you know what, I actually want to speak the Queen's English or I actually want to get an education and I want to have a life, a good life. Um, and, you know, I want to have 2.5 kids and a dog and a picket fence. And I want to have this. What's wrong with that? And what's wrong with me wanting to be better? What's wrong with me wanting to progress in the world? And what's what the fuck is wrong with me realizing that this is a capitalist society and I need to play the fucking game in order to get ahead? What the fuck is wrong with that? 
I mean, I'm not killing anybody. I'm not destroying a family. I'm simply deciding that, well, instead of coming in at 8.05, I decide to come in at 7.30. Or instead of, you know, dressing any way I want to, I decide to wear the actual um, uniform, quote-unquote, of corporate America or whatever my job is. Or instead of wearing my hair like I'm going to the club and decide to pin it up or wear it a certain way, so that means I'm a sellout because I decide to conform to the actual rules and regulations that gets you ahead in life? Does that mean that I can't take it off as soon as I leave work and let my hair down or whatever I want to do? You know, I think people get too bogged down in a lot of things that are coming out of pure insecurity and pure fear of um, what they are, what they actually are. And we all know that it's easier to be downtrodden. It is easier to be someone who says, well, I'm not going to try because what's, what's the point of trying? Because if I don't try, then nothing's going to happen anyway because nothing wouldn't have, would have happened anyway. You know, so it's easier just to sit there and do nothing as opposed to striving for something better. Uh, so I think it's, it's, a, it's a cop-out, quite frankly, when people start saying those things about other people, and they just really yell at the situation. Now, some things are pretty damned obvious, you know, like Omarosa, <laughs> who actually used to like. <laughs> back and and we have one off our Right, and I used to like Trump, too, back in the day. I used to be a very big fan of his, but he crossed the line, and so did Omarosa and some others. They crossed the line. Once you cross the line, there it is. But that's something that, you know, they're going to have to deal with at the end of their days or at the end of the, you know, every day. Maybe they have to look in the mirror and deal with themselves or look in the eyes of their family and deal with themselves. But... um but I just I think mainly in general, I think um, we are black Americans, and this is our culture, just as much as it's anybody a white culture or whatever culture. Um, it, 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 and I don't know why people haven't taken the notion that there seems to be only two cultures battling each other in America when there are so many cultures in America. It's only sure. black and white. Why is that? The reason that is, I think mainly, is because we are the dominant part of this culture, the black and the white. We're the ones who actually built this outside of the poor Native Americans who were, you know, genocide, you know, before we even got here kind of a thing. But we're the ones who built this side by side, you know, one way or the other. Some ideas were stolen. Some, you know, um, ideas were given. But basically, we built this. This is our country. And uh, I don't have any affinity to Africa. Once I was sold, my ancestors were sold and given away and not tracked 
because they sold us. That's why we weren't tracked. That's why nobody came for us, because they sold us. <laughs> That's why didn't nobody come. Um, once that happened, we are no longer a part of the African culture. The people who are a part of the African culture are the immigrants from Africa that came here after slavery, after all this shit happened. Those are African Americans. We are not African Americans. That's a problem I, I personally feel with black Americans. They ha- they, they're confused about what, who they truly are. They're really confused. So that's another show. But anyway, um, I think it's a good show. I think people should really take a look at um, the labels that you give people and think about Absolutely. why you're giving them those labels. And does it really just stem from some of the inner racism attacks that we give each other? Uh, stuff that stem way back to slavery, to uh, the master's children who were us, who were part of us, you know? And that rivalry, of sibling rivalry, you know, that has been going on for centuries. So we need to get over that. If we, first, we need to get over that. We need to get over the, the light skin, dark skin, the whatever. We need to get over all of that shit. We really do. Um, and, and realize that a lot of us are a part of a culture that is not really attached to Africa. You should be proud of being survivors of slavery. And you should be proud to be black Americans instead of thinking of yourself as some lore, and thinking of yourself as, as other people in the world think of, of you. And they only think of you that way because that's what you, it's what you put out there over and over again. So I can, I can get off my soapbox. I can go on forever. But anyway, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy the soap opera that will be happening this weekend, you know, with money, money, money guy. Ugh, such a you know, yeah. I mean, it's just a big soap opera. It's so hilarious. A male soap opera. Sorry, guys. Just like wrestling, it's all a male soap opera. It's all bullshit. And we all know who's going to win. It's already been determined, here, you know, a while ago. It's amazing payday, and it will be interesting to watch. But just remember, you're watching a soap opera, so don't talk about your girlfriends anymore because you guys are into it too. So there it is. <laughs> Just like Jay Z and Kanye, I guess another soap opera I going off so. with McGregor and Life is and a Mayweather. soap opera, guys. It has emotions yep. and feelings, and you know you love it, even though you yep. claim you don't. That's why you pick the same crazy bitches that you know you love it. So there it is. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate that, Crystal. And thanks to you also as well, Buck. And, uh, Go ahead and shut this thing down again. Go to TalkToQ.com. Sign up for the email newsletter. Follow, catch me on iTunes. Search for the Talk to Q radio show, and you can subscribe to me on iTunes and never miss a show. All right. So we will do this again next Tuesday at 9 p.m. No show tomorrow, but next Tuesday at 9 p.m. T2Q will be back, and zone coverage is still on for Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern as well. Everyone have a great night. Peace out. We will catch you next. 
next week on T2Q. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? My name is Quincy. And this is my show, the Talk to Q Radio Show. Call it, go ahead. Well, let me thank you for having me on your show. It's so awesome to be here with you and all your listeners. I never really have a lot of pity for females when it comes to relationships. Well, I am pro-woman, but I'm not anti-man. I know the value of a good man. You know, we need more shows like this because people need as much relationship help out there as they can get. Oh my god. Is that it?